Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. In preparing the background for our study of 1 Thessalonians, we have talked about Paul's ministry and how he got from Philippi to Thessalonica, and how he strategized by focusing upon large metropolitan areas as his location for preaching the gospel. And we have talked, therefore, in the last several broadcasts about gospel strategies. Are they appropriate? Well, Paul did them, so we can't call them inappropriate. Are they always appropriate? Well, that all depends on what the strategy is. And in Paul's case, the strategy was where to spend his time, where to it, where to labor, where to to uh, focus on his preaching the gospel, to make it the most effective to spread from where he preached the gospel to other places as those who were saved and as churches were planted took it upon themselves to spread the gospel to other places around them. And the large cities were strategic in that strategy. But that doesn't make every strategy an appropriate strategy, and particularly, and I don't think this is the only example of a, an inappropriate strategy, but particularly if the strategy has to do with tweaking the message of the gospel to make it a little more popular, a little less offensive. Nope, you can't do that. You've got to preach it as it is. The negative along with the positive. The unwelcome along with the welcome. You see, the God, the Holy Spirit, has to do the work in the hearts of people. And he will make people to be willing to deal with the unwelcome aspects of the gospel when the Holy Spirit is dealing with their hearts. And they have to have that. They have to have the whole message. They've got to hear the truth. And they have to have the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And if we rob them of part of the truth of the gospel in order to make it more acceptable, in order to make it easier for them to decide for Jesus, then they may make a decision for Jesus without the, without the work of God's Holy Spirit in their hearts, which means they're not saved. A decision for Jesus doesn't save you unless it is a Holy Spirit-wrought decision, a Holy Spirit-produced decision a Holy Spirit regeneration decision, a Holy Spirit new birth decision. That's what brings about salvation. And without that, there is no salvation. And so let's just remember that we are responsible in, in the preaching of the gospel message. We are responsible to be ambassadors for Christ. And what does an ambassador do? He delivers the message that is handed to him to the government that he is an ambassador to. My king wants to say this to you. 
My government wants to say this to you. I am the ambassador. I communicate accurately and fully what my government, my my authority, my boss, my master, what I have been told to communicate. A faithful ambassador does that. He does not change the message. He does not have the right to do that. He does not have permission to do that. In fact, if he does it, he and it's found out, he's going to be He's going to be canned. He won't continue to be an ambassador. The most important thing about an ambassador is that they faithfully communicate the message that has been given to them. It's not up to them whether it's well-received or not. It's not up to them to try to make the, the uh, receptive government more receptive by tweaking the message because I know what these people are like. My government back at home doesn't understand them as well as I do. I live here. They, they don't know that. So I'll just take it upon myself to do a few things to change it more, to make more, a more favorable response. You scoundrel, you have failed in your assignment. You are supposed to deliver the message that was delivered to you. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, the Bible tells us. We are to be ambassadors. We are not editors. We don't edit the message. That's not our privilege. We are not promoters. We're not trying to promote Jesus, find the most effective way to do it, find the most polished way to promote him. Nope, that's not our responsibility. We are proclaimers. We are heralds. That's another Bible picture of what we are. Heralds, similar to ambassador. But the herald, back in former days, was the one who was sent from the king's palace out to the villages with the message from the king. They didn't have television. They didn't have radio. They didn't have electronic communication. So if everybody in the kingdom was going to get the message that the king wanted them to get, heralds had to spread out through the kingdom. They would come into a village center, and they would, they would no doubt be accompanied by some other messengers that had other functions than the one they had. And a trumpeter would blow the trumpet to let people know that something was going on, that there was a message here from the king. And then when people gathered around, the herald would unfurl the scroll that he had been given, upon which was written the message, and would say, Hear ye, hear ye, thus saith the king, and read it word for word, and then roll up his scroll and move on to the next town. He has no right to change the message. He has no reason to change the message. That's not his job. He's not responsible for the message, for the contents of the message. He's responsible for the delivery of the message. And we are heralds. We are responsible for the delivery of the message. The content has already been decided. That decision was not given to us. The delivery of the message, now that's what's been given to us. So in our strategizing, we strategize where we go. We strategize how to, to get a hearing for the message that was delivered to us. We have no right to change the message in any way, shape, or form. But now there are other lessons from this background history to Paul's ministry in the city of Thessalonica. And I'd like to say a few things about the gospel and politics. Uh-oh. How does that figure in? Well, you may recall when I was giving you the background, 
and particularly talking about Paul's imprisonment in Philippi, from which he was rescued by God with that earthquake that shook the jail and opened the cells, opened the, do- the doors of the cells, and everybody's chains fell off. And then the magistrates of the city wanted Paul to leave. And so Paul complied. He didn't leave immediately or on their terms, but he pressed home a very important point, and this deals with what I've called politics, in that Paul utilized his Roman citizenship to best advantage for the gospel. How so? Well, on the day before his release, he was beaten publicly, and Paul never said a word. He didn't stop them. Then, when they came to tell him that he could leave town quietly, he said, wait a minute. They have beaten and imprisoned Roman citizens without a trial. That's illegal. And now they want to send somebody else down to ask us to leave? No, I demand that they come down here, the ones who did this, the ones who ordered this. I command, I, I, I demand that they come down here and publicly exonerate us, publicly apologize is what it amounts to, for their mistreatment of us before we leave. You say, well, that's pretty cheeky. But Paul used his Roman citizenship for the effect of the gospel because what that did was made those magistrates very cautious, if not totally unwilling, to do any kind of persecution against the church in Philippi, lest their breaking of the law in regard to a Roman citizen be brought to the attention of the Roman authorities above them, and they get into trouble. So we could call this a strategy. It is a strategy. And we could call it a political move, because that's what it was. Paul utilized his Roman citizenship for the advance of the gospel for the protection of the Christians, for the protection of the church in Philippi before he left town. Now, okay, Paul did that. I guess that means that Christians ought to be involved in politics. Well, again, just like the question of of employing strategies for the sake of the gospel, and this could be considered a, a particular strategy, the question is not, is it appropriate to use political tools for the purpose of the gospel. The question is, in what way is it appropriate to get involved in politics in regard to the gospel? And what we see in the life of the Paul is that it is it is right to utilize political privileges to serve gospel endeavors. But it's clear that Paul never involved himself in politics to solve social problems. That's not what he was interested in. There were plenty of those in his day, but Paul was not interested in addressing so-called social justice. That's a big one in our day. Christians are called upon to deal politically with social justice. Now, the fact of the matter is that we do deal with social justice in the preaching of the gospel, in the way we conduct ourselves with other people in the community, in the way we conduct ourselves in our churches. We are very mindful of God's demands of what is just and right and true, and we treat people accordingly. But nowhere in Scripture are we given the responsibility 
to invade the secular political realm in order to bring about social justice. We are to preach the gospel, and if by the grace of God, that is received, that's going to make more impact upon changes in society than anything else we can do. I'm sure you have noticed by now that so many times people whose main focus is social justice end up creating new injustices on, in the way of, of trying to, to uh, address one injustice. Here's a, a uh, particular people that have not been treated justly in the past, and we're going to, to address that and make up for that. And so to do that, we're going to have um, practices and regulations that are going to put other people at disadvantage in order to make up for the disadvantages that these people had, maybe not even themselves, but their parents or grandparents and so forth in the past. Well, that may sound good, but it do, it's not good because two wrongs don't make a right. Making a new injustice for a new group of people and treating them unjustly doesn't really solve the the problem of the injustice that was done in the past to another people. You, it doesn't work that way. Well, how do you how do you get these injustices out of society? You preach the gospel and then teach Christians who have been saved by the grace of God God's way of dealing with people. And that's from today. <laughs> And if we'll do that and treat everyone the way that God tells us to treat them, we will eliminate those injustices, but we can't achieve that in the political realm. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll talk about it some more. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.